the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two underway now, eight minutes past 10 o'clock. Thanks for being with us. On this free-for-all Friday, the 29th morning of the 10th month of the year of our Lord, 2021. Thanks again to Jim Jordan in hour number one coming up. In hour number two, in about a half an hour, we're going to talk to John Hagan, Ohio school board member. And his daughter, Christina Hagan, is a former Ohio state representative. So a pair of Hagans going to talk to us about a couple of very important issues, including a change at the head of that Ohio school board, Laura Kohler, the author the president of the board and the author of Resolution 20, which was going to bring critical race theory and all kinds of D.I.E. Uh, theory into our classrooms, indoctrinating our kids against the country and against one another. She has resigned her position. There will be a new school board president. This is a monumental moment. And the most important thing, thing here, of course, is appointing somebody to that position who is going to actually believe in education, not indoctrination. But that's a huge, huge step in the right direction, which we will talk about with uh, Hagen's father and daughter coming up at uh, about 1035. Right now, I want to talk about policing in Cleveland. Last week, you may recall, I had the president of the CPPA on. That's uh, Jeff Vollmer, uh, Cleveland Police Patrolman Association. He told us this. That if issue 24 passes on Tuesday, if issue 24 passes in the city of Cleveland, there will be an exodus of somewhere in the neighborhood of 300 to 400 Cleveland police officers. They're going to retire. They're going to resign. They're going to transfer to other cities. They're getting out. And the reason why is they cannot do their jobs, which are life and death situations, without knowing that they have support from their superiors. And if 24 passes, their superiors would become a bunch of civilian anti-police activists. Those would be the individuals involved with uh, deciding whether or not police actions were indeed um, uh, appropriate. 
they would be the arbiters of police conduct versus misconduct. It is simply insane, and yet that's where we are. Two men running for Cleveland mayor to replace Frank Jackson uh, disagree wholeheartedly on whether or not Issue 24 should pass. And so I want to welcome to the program now a man who is arguing uh, on this issue as well. He has got uh, a strong... He is strongly in favor, rather, of one of the two candidates for mayor because of their stand on Issue 24. And this is the former Cleveland Police Patrolmen's Association president, Steve Loomis. Steve, good to talk to you again. It's been a long time since I've had you on the radio. How are you? Yes, sir. Uh, Thanks for your time. I'm very good today. You have been very outspoken and very passionate about this. I have read countless numbers of your paragraph after paragraph of very important, articulated um, you know, information with respect to Issue 24 and what it would do to policing in Cleveland. You've written it on social media. You have sent letters. You have sent emails. Uh, and I've read every word with, uh, with great scrutiny. And that's why I, I wanted to bring that. you on. Yeah. Well, it's important, Steve. And, and obviously, you and I see eye to eye on this. Um, and since it really has been very effective in terms of me reading it, I wanted you to go ahead and bring it to the masses here and talk about it in more depth here. Give me your description of what, before we talk about Kevin Kelly and Justin Bibb and everything else, give me uh, mm-hmm. uh, your best description of what Issue 24 does. Um, it turns the city of Cleveland into Portland, Oregon, Seattle, Washington, San Francisco, California. Um, this has been tried and it's been a failed experiment in those cities. And it's going to be terrible for not only the citizens, the law-abiding citizens in every single neighborhood of this city, but investors, business people, um, the surrounding suburbs. If things get worse in Cleveland than they already are, and I can't really imagine how that could happen um, because things are already uh, record-level homicides, record-level shootings, um, things are not going well in Cleveland right now. Um, that spreads to the suburbs, and and you know my partners in the suburbs will tell you that they're seeing upticks in in all areas of crime. So this is not just a Cleveland issue. Um, I'm a resident in the city of Cleveland, you know, so I I do have skin in the game. The people that wrote this issue are ambulance chasing attorneys that live in Pepper Pike, that live in Cleveland Heights. Or they're activists. Uh, Brenda Bickerstaff has been an activist in this city. There's there's thousands of cops that know Brenda Bickerstaff. Um, she she routinely uh, you know complains about anything she can complain about with the the police department. Is that the person that we want running the police department? And make no mistake about it, this thing passes. The mayor doesn't have any authority over the police department the safety director doesn't have any authority the chief doesn't have any authority um these people are insane they have nothing they want a job they want a ninety thousand dollar a year job they want a five million dollar budget to be activists you know if you want to be an activist go be an activist on your dime and uh not causing more okay. problems in the city of Cleveland. Let, let me jump in on this, Steve, since we're talking about right. who these people are. Um, how do we know who would be appointed to this commission, this oversight board? How, how, well, would they the, be, how would they be appointed? Would it be by council? Would it be by the mayor? Would it be by election? Or How, do, how does someone get that particular appointment? Yeah, that, that, amazingly enough, that's, that's not uh, crystal clear. 
we know that they have to have um, civil rights attorneys have to be on this commission. We know that at least two family members of people that were murdered, quote-unquote, by the Cleveland Police Department need to be on this commission. Whoa, 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 um, whoa. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. I did not know that. Let me make sure I heard that clearly. You're telling me that, is it a charter or whatever it is, where, where is that language? And that language says that at least two members of the commission must be family members of individuals who lost their lives at the hands of police in encounters. Yes. Regardless of whether those were determined to be lawful encounters and lawful actions and lawful use of force by the police, it, they they get to they get to have two spots for people who are family members of people who died at the hands of police. That's correct. That's a, yes, that's sir. incredible to me. Where's that? Where, where is the, it, by the way this list it, of rules? Is it available for public a, consumption before they vote? Um, I'm I'm not sure where you can you you can get that offline some kind of way. I'll make sure that you have it. Okay. Um. But um, well, more yeah, importantly, it's, more it's importantly, insane. if I may, Steve, more importantly, it's not just that I have it. The people, the voters of Cleveland. Yeah, I don't. I, don't, I work in you know, and and spend a lot of time in Cleveland, but I don't live there, so I don't get to vote there. People who live there need to be able to see that and understand the yeah. ramifications of that. I mean, how can well, this board be anywhere close to, uh, you know, um, uh, not nonpartisan? What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, how can they be? Po- how can they impartial. possibly be impartial? There you go. That's the word. If if they're going to be, you know, if if the membership is going to be comprised of people who are already predisposed to dislike the police department, yeah. Well, we have uh, one of their main arguments is that um, we need this oversight, this civilian oversight, just to be able to to build trust in the community. We don't need civilian oversight to build trust in the community. You know, we are more heavily scrutinized than we've ever been in my twenty-eight year career. We have body cameras on. We have a very uh, stringent body camera policy that we have to maintain. Everything that the men and women in this police department do is is open for public consumption. All you have to do is do a public records request on it. Um, we've had more police officers fired and disciplined in the last three years than we did the previous seven years, if you can believe that. Um because of the oversight, because of the Department of Justice, because the chief and, and everybody else are going way out of their way to make sure that people understand that we are not just running wild here. I mean, there are rules upon rules upon rules. We know the ramifications of the chase policy in Cleveland. We see the motorcycles, you know, the dirt bikes, hundreds of them running around doing circles around police cars, and we're powerless to do anything about that. And that just leads to more and more uh, uh, intense crimes being committed because these kids see that we're not doing anything and they just go to the next level. That's why homicides are up. That's why shootings are up. That's why all this stuff is, is in a spiral, dangerous spiral upwards, and we're powerless to do anything about it. And you put a bunch of civilian activists and they're ambulance chasing attorneys. And I can't emphasize that enough. These guys, uh, these attorneys that wrote this bill, um, wrote it for them. It's, it's like putting the fox in the hen house. It's, they have made very, very lucrative livings off of suing the city of Cleveland or other police departments um, and having those departments settle yeah. those lawsuits. <clears throat> they don't go to trial. The city won't go to trial on anything. They just settle it. Oh, never. You know, we, yeah. 
Yeah. You know, so, so, so Steve, let me let me jump in on this. Um, former Mayor Frank Jackson, or soon to be former Mayor, obviously, uh, this is where mm-hmm. where Kelly and Bib are running to replace the retiring Frank Jackson. He has come out against issue twenty four. Now, he has not always been a huge friend of the police. He has too often, in my view, sided with the activists. He has paid off families before uh, investigations are completed to find out whether or not there is anything to pay off for, to find out whether mm-hmm. or not there was any police misconduct that led to you know certain incidents. So he's never been a big supporter, in my opinion, of the police. But on his way out the door, he has made it very clear. He does not support issue twenty four. He thinks it should be defeated. He thinks it's bad for policing and it's bad for public safety. What's your reaction to that? Um, I applaud him for that. And and um, Mayor Jackson, um, he he's not been an enemy of the police either. You know, he, he's kind of a middle of the road guy there, and let these investigations play out. But um, that being said, um, I applaud him for that because he knows. That having, we've been dealing with these activists for five years, six, six years now with this consent decree. It's the same folks that are in this community police commission that I was part of. Um, and that was a failed experiment. We wanted to look at the policies and, and make improvements to them. And they wanted to for, force feed their, their activist radical agenda down everybody's throat. You know, foot patrols in, in the neighborhoods. I don't have a problem with foot patrols. If we're not 420 cops below our budgeted staffing level right now, we don't have the people to do that. And and we don't need to be two, 300 yards away from a car walking a foot patrol somewhere when you're screaming for help, when you're calling 911 and you need help, or there's another officer that needs help. That's a long way to go to get to that car to, to go help these folks. I mean, we, we can't. It, I, would, I, would offer one more, I would offer one more um, a note on that, Steve. You know, a police vehicle not only allows you to get from point A to point B faster when there's an emergency call that comes in, it also provides you with a measure, measure of protection. You're surrounded by, sure. the, by the steel. I mean, and, and I hate to sound like this, but let's be honest. In this day and age, in this era right now, in this we hate cops, in this post-George Floyd, in this, you know, in this defund and abolish police attitude that we are living in right now, cops are getting shot at and ambushed in record numbers all across this country. Mm-hmm. It's sad. It's, it's disgusting. And nothing is being done about it because what can you do about it? They have, they have poisoned public opinions against police and there are people taking shots at cops. I, I don't want to be a cop walking down the street on foot patrol knowing that cops are getting ambushed the way they are. Who's coming to do the drive by? Who's, who's, uh, you know, you know, they're going to, they're going to try to track and see where you are and, you know, what your, your patrol pattern is, what day and what time you're on this block, that block. Good God, it's not man! Tactic, it's just might as well yeah. might as well put a might as well put a put a, a you know a bullseye on your chest. Yeah, it's not a tactically sound position oh. to take, you know, at this point. And and we have medical kits in the car, so it, it, you know, a kid falls off his bike and is bleeding. You know, what are you going to run back to the car? It's just it's not plausible. It's a pie in the sky uh, political um, promise that Justin Bibbs making. Um, he's claiming. 51% of the police officers in the city of Cleveland are riding desks somewhere. Well, does he think that I'm riding a desk in the homicide unit? You know, and we're going to put all these people that are in the desks out back out on the street. No, you're not, because 
you need detectives in the homicide unit, sex crimes unit, narcotics unit, gang unit. Um, those are jobs that he's considering. The only way you get to 51% is if you consider those, those guys, guys like me that are, you know, riding a desk in the homicide unit and another record year of homicides we're, we're headed towards right now. Right. Um, so it's, it's nonsense. Um, the fact that Justin Bibb is claiming that his father was a police officer, his father was a fireman and he was in the arson unit. He's a fireman that has police powers. So, you know, the, he's just disingenuous on it, and it's sad to me. Um, he claimed the other day, um, doing a debate with Kevin Kelly, that 20%, we only, we only solved 20% of the homicides in the city. That's offensive. That's a blatant lie. I don't know where he's getting his information from, but we're in the mid to high 60%, which is higher than the national average. And that's right understaffed. Now. And that's you're understaffed. understaffed and you're overworked. <laughs> I mean, we haven't seen violence like this in this city um, in my career, anyhow, since so, the late 70s. So, Steve, l- let me wrap it with this because i got to go here. It's 1024. Okay. Um, I'm going to put it to you. Uh, you know, your, your, your successor in the CPPA role, uh, Jeff, said 300 to 400 cops are going to leave if issue 24 passes. Nobody's going to want to put their life on the line in a situation with a potentially violent criminal if the violence uh, escalates to the point where you're going to be judged by a bunch of activists, particularly police-hating activists, uh, as to whether or not you go to prison or not. Um, he said three to 400 people are going to leave. So I'm going to ask you, I don't know exactly where you are in terms of retirement eligibility. I don't know how many years you have in, but if issue 24 passes, are you going to be one of them? Are you out the door? Well, we, we will see. Um, I'm day to day, my friend. Okay. Um, so you are, you are, you are eligible. You can go when you want to. Oh yeah, I can. Uh, yeah. I'm one of the 300 that can go. And, um, and even more importantly than that, Bob, you're not going to have, we are already having a problem with recruitment. Do you think that, you know, when you can go to Columbus and make $30,000 a year more than we make in Cleveland, and we don't have to deal with a civilian activist running the police department, where do you think that young 22-year-old kid's going to go? He's not coming here. You know, so that that's, retention is going to be a, a big problem. These younger kids. Well, your, your point, your point there, and, Steve, your point there is well taken, although I don't know if I would use Columbus as the best example because they've got a well, mayor who's like Bibb, as far as I'm concerned. Ginter there uh, does not have his police officers' backs. It's not exactly a great situation. But I do yeah, understand your point. It's easier to put up with that when you're making $100,000 a year. Right. Yeah, the enticement <laughs> you know? would be there. I know. I, I do understand. And I, and I hope everybody in Cleveland understands this is going to be devastating for law enforcement in Cleveland. Uh, people are going to die. More and more and more people are going to die. Well, three, four hundred police officers short under budget, uh, and um, uh, and there's nobody to, to come running when you're calling for help. It is going to be the streets are going to be run by the gangs, uh, by the drug dealers, uh, and and by you know just the the most violent criminals there are. If issue twenty four passes, and I know that's your message, and I hope yes, everybody in, I hope everybody in Cleveland that has a vote in this understands that, and remember that when you're voting for the mayor as well, because one candidate says that's how I want it, and the other says no, 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 get yeah, rid of twenty four. So. Why would a mayoral candidate want to give up his authority? That's what he's being elected for. By the way, that's in state law, so they're going to have all kinds of problems anyhow. They're, this right. violates Ohio state law. This violates city charters. This violates. They think they wrote in this thing that our union 
that our contract is just null and void, essentially. Yeah. You know, and, and they just it's just an overreach on every level. It should never have been allowed to put be put on the ballot, written in the form that it's in. Well, and, Steve, um, I'm glad I'm glad you're using your platform to get the, this message out there to people, and hopefully it reaches Thank enough you. eyes and ears so that uh, uh, we get the right result on Tuesday. Steve Loomis, former president Thank of the you. CPPA. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate it. All right. We're way late here at 1027. We'll take a time out. We'll have our newscast. Then we'll come back on AM 1420, The Answer. free WHK mobile app and listen to your favorite WHK programs or podcasts on the go. It's free in your app store. You know, nobody likes the thought or the idea of leaving their home ever, uh, whether you're in your senior years or any other time. Nobody thinks about the fact that maybe someday I won't be able to live in my home and be careful and be cared for. Uh, so I need to find another place. If that time ever comes for you or someone that you love in your family, I want you to think first about Heritage Retirement Communities. There are three locations for Heritage Retirement Communities. One's in Walton Hills, one's in Seven Hills, one's in North Canton, and they're all amazing. Now, these facilities offer independent living, assisted living, and memory care. Now, what makes them different from nursing homes? Let me be very clear. These are not nursing homes. These are just homes. These are literal suburban family homes with just a very small population of residents and a small population of caregivers, a very low caregiver-to-resident ratio that allows your loved ones to live like they lived on their own at home, but with care that they need. Uh, that's the difference between a communal-style nursing home where they have hundreds of residents and they have dozens of staff and they're just shuffling you through one bed to the next to the next to the next and they're serving meals like it's a military outpost uh, eating MREs. No, home-cooked meals and home care, where you're treated like a person and not a patient. That is why you want to call Heritage Retirement Communities. So if mom or dad or grandma or grandpa is in need of assistance like this, I want you to call 330 330- Let me do it again. 330-846-1499. Schedule a tour. It's free. Cost you nothing. But look at how life can be for the senior loved ones in your life. Heritage-RC.com for more information. Then call 330-846-1499. Heritage Retirement Communities. It's exactly like home. A wake-up call, courtesy of the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Well, i got to tell you, the news just keeps getting better and better and better out of Columbus. Not just one, but two of the woke board members responsible for Resolution 20 now on the sidelines. What an amazing turn of events. I literally just found this part out now, and I'm so glad that I have this uh, interview scheduled. Actually, a pair of interviews with a pair of Hagans. Let me welcome to our program our regular Friday commentator on the news of the day, former Ohio State Representative Christina Hagan is with us. Christina, good morning. Good morning. Thanks so for good- having us on. It's a pleasure to have you as always, and let's welcome your father, John Hagan, also a former Ohio State representative and current member of the Ohio Board of Education with this late-breaking news. John Hagan, thank you for coming on, sir. How are you? Good morning, Bob. I am well. 
Um, so good to talk to you both, and I'm so glad uh, that as I talked with Christina yesterday, she recommended having you on to talk about this uh, board situation. I was just going to ask your reaction, John, to the resignation of board president Laura Kohler. That announcement made yesterday. The um, uh, official resignation took place this morning, and now I come to find out that Eric Poklar, also a member of the board, who was with Laura Kohler on Resolution 20 and the imposition of critical race theory and other divisive um, uh, uh, curricula in Ohio schools, who voted against rescinding Resolution 20, he's out the door as well. So we've got more uh, more good news as, as far as I'm concerned because these people should not be in positions of leadership like this. As a member of the board, John Hagan, how do you react to all of that? Well, absolutely. Good news on both of those. Uh, Needless to say, uh, the governor was remiss in sending those names in for uh, this current term after what they had done in the the former term. Uh, That is in reference to Resolution 20, but also across the board with so many of the things that have been plugged into this uh, uh, department as far as uh, things that don't fit in what mainstream uh, America, mainstream Ohio would like to see happening in our schools. So, yes, I, I'm very happy with this. Uh, are you surprised by it? To go, uh, if I, I'm sorry, John. I, are you surprised by it? Because um, I, 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 I really thought surprised. Kohler would have. I really thought Kohler was going to fight this a little bit more. Obviously, you know, in her in her remarks yesterday, uh, in the article that I read with Cleveland.com, she said she knew that she would be voted out anyway, so she might as well not put it put you guys through a vote. Um, are, so, are, are you surprised that she kind of is essentially just kind of uh, uh, surrendering? Well, the vote she's referring to would be the Senate confirmation. And uh, it was it, that message was sent down that there wasn't the votes to confirm her. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was a losing proposition for her all the way, but also for the governor. Um, this this is saving some embarrassment for him. Uh, in other words, he did reappoint her. Uh, he reappointed Eric mm-hmm. Poklar after they voted for, uh, as you say, the the uh, supporting of critical race theory. Uh, the training for board members, the training for uh, ODE people, and training actually for people in the schools to understand their uh, bias that they didn't know they had. This stuff is so off the charts, it's ridiculous. Uh, But this doesn't end. And one of the things that uh, I'll point out here is when that resolution passed to rescind Resolution 20, Mm-hmm. And it was uh, greatly uh, softened in the process. Uh, in other words, it wasn't nearly what it needed to be, but it was still good to rescind that resolution. The board president immediately after that was talking to other members in a casual manner, but in an open meeting, and it's, it's open public record, stating that our work will continue. This doesn't change anything. So uh, the, the, the thing that the public needs to understand is this, this battle is far from over. Uh, we need to be vigilant. We need to be working at all these local uh, school boards to make sure that we're stopping this stuff because it's like a freight train coming down the tracks.
No question about it. We'll talk more about that at the local levels in a moment. Obviously, it's a huge day Tuesday as uh, a number of school board uh, members are facing challenges from parents who are trying to get rid of those, uh, just like at the state level, who support that kind of uh, curricula. So uh, let me get the reaction now of former state representative Christina Hagan. Christina, you and I have been talking about this a bit as well since last June when Resolution 20 passed and what it means uh, to Ohio K-12 through schools. What's your reaction to the resignation of those two board members? members my reaction is that i'm i'm proud i'm proud of parents standing up i'm proud of the fact that my father stood up when it was unpopular when he was um cast in negative light for saying wait a minute this doesn't look like anti-racism this looks like racism towards certain people that are a certain color um and children that are a certain color this is exactly the opposite of what martin luther king wanted us to do and I, this is, you know, this is a moment to press pause and express gratitude to a God who is faithful to us for when we pray for strength and direction and confidence in our convictions and carrying forward. Um, but as Dad mentioned, you know, there's really no time for a victory lap. So I'm proud as a daughter, I'm proud as a parent in this country that our voices matter, no matter how much the um, crazy extreme liberal left threatens to silence us through the FBI, through the DOJ, through mm-hmm. um, any means necessary. We have to keep standing up because we are and will always be the front line of defense for our children. So um, I would just say, too, Bob, this is a special day for me because my father and I um, are, you know, often in tandem doing work on different subject matter and trying to hold back the chaos that the left wants to roll out on the American public and the Ohioans specifically. Um, but we've never shared an interview together like this. So this is special for me. Um, just somebody that I look up to and admire so much who has given me the confidence to do what God's called me to do and the reminder of who I am and him um, to see that his good work is paying off in Columbus in a space education that seemed almost impossible to turn around. They're turning it around. Um, they're wow. demanding accountability. And, you know, moderates are saying it's, it's impossible to thrive here. That that couldn't have been heard of a year ago or two years ago or three years ago. But we're getting to a place where when leaders like John Hagan step up and go into a space like the Department of Education and demand results and demand a reflection of the will of the state, we're actually getting there. So I'm just grateful and thankful, but we need to keep pressing forward. Well, Christina, first of all, uh, I am very honored to be the medium through which you guys have broken this new ground and had an interview together. That I'm surprised both being elected officials, being public official or public figures and so forth. Uh, so I'm surprised you haven't done that before, so I'm glad it's here. Uh, second of all, I'm going to ask you both this question, but the first, uh, I'll give you the first crack at it. It's one thing to have the resignation of bad board members, particularly leadership, <clears throat> gone from the state board. It's another thing to know that they're going to be filled with people who actually are going to do it right. So what is your confidence level, Christina, first, that uh, you know the, the, the replacement, particularly for Laura Kohler, is going to be somebody who actually has education and not indoctrination in mind? Well, my, my confidence is that people like my father are standing up and are being present in the process. They aren't just going there to collect a paycheck and benefit. Um, they're working with the legislative process, waking up the legislative process, reminding them of their power, that they have the power to decide who they put the stamp of approval behind. And I believe that our state legislature is thoroughly vetting these candidates at this point. This point, There is a reason that they did not give the normal government rubber stamp to these two 
um, appointees of the governor. So we have an engaged legislative process. I'm very confident, and mostly because parents are speaking up. If parents weren't speaking up, nobody who has been forced to pay attention would be paying attention and further would be representing these values because it's easier to just go along and get along no matter what the cost. But when people are demanding accountability and a future for our plan and education instead of being steamrolled by what's coming down to the federal government and leaking into our schools and indoctrinating our children, we have hope in this state. So I, I am very hopeful, and I think we need to continue to put the hard press even on those state legislative leaders to ensure um, that we are putting people into these positions who are true conservatives, who are truly against this complete disturbing mindset being put on top of our children and the corruption of our children and that they have our kids' interests at mind. Yeah, I think that's well said. That's Christina Hagan, a former Ohio State representative. Her father, John Hagan, is also a former state rep and a current member of the Ohio board. So, John, you said in your first uh, remarks, uh, you know, that, you know, Kohler had to go because, uh, you know, for her to stick around and then get, you know, voted down by the Senate would look bad for Mike DeWine. So I would imagine Mike DeWine is going to be looking for somebody that he knows is going to be confirmed, and that means somebody who is not going to be all about CRT, not going to be all about all of this divisive uh, type of curricula in uh, in uh, Ohio K-12 through schools. What's your confidence level that Mike DeWine is going to get the right person? Well, well, first I have to respond to something that uh, Christina talked about, and I will just simply say that uh, Christina is definitely one of my heroes. Uh, so... <laughs> I uh, appreciate what she does, and, and uh, you know, I, I just wish there was a lot more strong uh, young people stepping forward as she has. Uh, but as far as the appointment process, uh, I would expect that something will be coming, but I, I'm also with much interest watching the legislative process. And a recent bill uh, was just modified in committee, hasn't come out of committee yet, calls for uh, changing the board to all elected, uh, using the congressional districts, which would give us 15 members. Uh, I, I think that's promising, and and uh, it might even. It, isn't there a where, movement, John? If I may, isn't there a movement to to knock it down to nine as well? I read that somewhere. I, I think there's probably all kinds of ideas out there. Uh, the intriguing part that I saw about this was that this eliminates the necessity to draw separate lines and have a whole different commission for drawing lines for school boards. Uh, we have 15 in the, in the next round, we have 15 congressional districts and this would set it up where you had one elected member in each, uh, seven, uh, in one election and then eight in the eight election two years later. Uh, so it, it's, it simplifies it in my mind, uh, as far as, you know, the district that I currently represent, goes from Stark County all the way to Marietta. Uh, if it were a congressional district, uh, it would be much uh, more compact. And, and in my current situation, it would be Bob Gibbs' uh, district if this was the map that we were using. Uh, so I, I think it's a positive thing to look at. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where the governor's at on this. It may be that after this current uh, problems that came up, he may not be that... Uh, resistive to having appointees on the board because as as it's shown here that can blow up in your face right 
Yeah, well, it certainly has in this case. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, and I wonder just because Mike DeWine is in a, you know, Republican primary fight, uh, against Jim Renacci, uh, primarily. How about that? Um, and, you know, he's he's taken a lot of heat from conservatives, of course, over the shutdown and uh, everything else that he has done with respect to COVID uh, and, and harming a lot of Ohioans. So I just wonder if he doesn't have a lot of bridges to repair here with conservatives and that he's going to make sure that he appoints a real, true conservative, uh, you know, curricula-minded, uh, you know, couple of board members here on a board president. And in fact, maybe you can tell me, does he appoint the president or does he just appoint the members and you guys vote for president amongst yourselves? The, the president is elected by our board. Okay. Uh, we, so we so he would just opposition. appoint two more. He would just appoint two more to replace Kohler and Poklar. That, uh, that's correct. And, okay. And, and currently, we'll be operating with the vice president because we do have a setting vice president, uh, and she will be uh, setting in that seat until there's an election for a president. Uh, the as far as the uh, going back to the governor though. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that you know. Like I say, he might welcome uh, eliminating these appointments just for the simple reason that uh, he won't end up with all this egg on his face. But uh, I also want to point out that he did make an appointment here recently. Uh, Walt Davis uh, from Warren County is a Second Amendments guy. He's he's extremely conservative. Uh, he has a background that is wonderful. Uh, he he uh, spent time in the Air Force. Uh, worked in the Pentagon, uh, has contacts in the FBI, uh, just well-rounded with a, with a ton of good uh, background. This guy is a conservative, and he voted with us on repealing uh, 20. And he came in the door knowing that 20 was no good and that he need, we needed to get rid of it. So that's the last appointment that was made. Uh, so I would expect that we, if we have further appointments, at this point, they're probably going to be well-vetted conservatives. Well, that is uh, certainly something that we are all hoping for. And again, not not for partisan purposes. And and that's the one thing, because I know that if the shoe were on the other foot and there was a Democrat governor saying, we're going to appoint true liberals to the, you know, to the school board, we would be livid here. But it's not about partisanship for the sake of party. It is simply about education for education's sake. And Christine, I'll give you the last word on this, um, rather than indoctrination. And the, the, the fact of the matter is, we just want education, educational curricula to prepare our children for college or for the work world or whatever the case might be, not to indoctrinate them with some sort of uh, ideology or another. Yeah, unquestionably so. I mean, we want an opportunity and a fair shake for our kids to be independent thinkers. And the question becomes, what moral code is taught to our kids? Um, Because we have leaders like McAuliffe in Virginia who are saying that parents shouldn't be primary stakeholders in children's education. We know that that is absolutely not the truth. Um, so our voices at school board meetings are essential to defining and safeguarding what content, what moral values are put in front of our children because inevitably during that period that they are dropped off and picked up either by a parent or a school bus and delivered back home, they have people in front of them that are informing their perspective, their point of view, their understanding, their ideology, their moral grounding. And so for me, Personally, um, I just actually heard about a book by Erwin Brewster that I'm going to pick up, and it's called Keeping Your Kids on God's Side. And I think in this environment, um, for conservatives, more specifically for Christians, for all Christians, we need to pick this book up 
and we need to read it and have these 40 conversations with our kids about how to know and understand um, the moral truths that we have raised them in and how they can help and fill them in other people and share with other people these basic truths and understanding to survive in a world that is against them, a culture that is against them. So I just say to all parents, keep standing up, keep voicing your opinion. If we all stand together, they don't have enough blue windbreakers to come after us. We are the front line and we have to demand our kids' education as a reflection of our will for their lives and their future. Very well said, Christina Higgin. John, I can see why you're so proud of her, and Christina, likewise. You guys uh, are doing great work for the people of Ohio. Uh, Thank you both so much for doing that, and thank you both for joining me this morning. We certainly appreciate it. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Bob, and we certainly appreciate what you do every day. Thank you, John. That's John Hagan, member of the Ohio State Board of Education. That's Christina Hagan, former Ohio State representative and future elected office holder as well. Uh, 1054, right back after this. Okay, 1057. I don't have a ton of time here, but I can maybe squeeze in a pair. So let's go to Independence. Dan, you're on AM 1420. The answer, go right ahead. Hi, Bob. Thanks. Listen, I had a couple of points, but the the most important one is to give you a big shout out and a big thank you for bringing up the whole uh, Provax. It's safe and effective. It's safe and effective. It's safe and effective. Shut up, roll your sleeve up, take the poke. Whether you've had Dr. Tenpenny on there, there's many, 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 many other doctors who are saying, look, maybe we need to look at this. Maybe we need to look at this and that and some of these side effects. Nope, no debate. Everything is shut down. All you hear is safe and effective. Safe, it, 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 it drives you crazy. I mean, the safe and effective is to this regime what roads and bridges what to, what was to the Obama regime, right? No matter what the question was, it's roads and bridges. Yeah. No matter what the question here is, it's safe and effective, safe and effective, mm-hmm. safe and effective. Yeah, no, you're right, and that's one of the things, and thanks for the, for the call. I'm going to continue to pound on until every other drug maker just gets to say, no, our drug is safe and effective, that's it, and doesn't have to tell you what the side effects could be, uh, then I'm going to call COVID out for the hypocrisy and call out the government for the COVID hypocrisy. Um, one more, Joe, uh, Joe, Maple Heights. Joe, go ahead. Hey, how you doing, Bob? Uh, just want to let you know, my son and two of his friends are running for or doing the system school board, and they're... Uh, gets masking for kids against uh, mandatory shots uh, and all kinds of different things that's going on in the school system that we don't have time to talk about right now. But he's an outstanding citizen. He's a God-fearing man. And I just want to put a little plug in for him on the air today. Well, I appreciate you doing that, my friend. And we need to re- thank you for the call. We need to replace all poor, bad school members, school board members at every district in Ohio that is supporting the division of our kids, the hatred of our country by our kids, and all of the other indoctrination things. They're there to be educated, not indoctrinated. Replace them with good school board members like that. Thank you so much, uh, or potential members, rather. Thank you so much for the call. Everyone, have a safe weekend. Remain free. We'll see you Monday. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.